Amen. You know, it feels a little bit bizarre, doesn't it? It feels a little bizarre, but this is not the first time that it's happened. In fact, it's happened in history many times before, uh, in many seasons and in many countries. I'm talking about having a celebration in the midst of such serious times. It feels like there's not that much to celebrate right now, if we're honest with ourselves. In the middle of a pandemic, quarantine, sickness, even death tends to dominate the news cycle day in and day out. But there is a celebration to be had. Because the reality of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus is even more powerful, even more transcendent than the present troubles that we're in right now. And in fact, the reality of the resurrection helps us, informs us, even empowers us to navigate the present troubles that we have right now. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. You know, when we are in times that are challenging to us, we pray. We have this instinct to cry out to God for help. Uh, even in the testimony we heard just a few minutes ago, uh, Dr. McGowan said that he prayed, <laughs> even though he didn't know who he was really even praying to at the time. That's a natural instinct of people. And this morning, I want to share with you what I'm calling the Easter prayer. And the Easter prayer is found in Ephesians chapter 3. Verses 14 to 21. So if you have a Bible at home with you, uh, please open it to Ephesians chapter 3. If you don't have a copy of the Bible at home with you, uh, firstly, I want to encourage you, if you come to one of the services here at Old North, we would love to give you a copy of the scriptures. But secondly, you can follow along with the scripture as it's on the screen uh, below you right now on the broadcast. Ephesians chapter 3. I'm calling this to Easter prayer because the reality of the resurrection permeates the requests that Paul is asking for the believers at this church in Ephesus. And this is what it says. It says, starting in verse 14, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family on heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power, through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all of the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. This prayer contains two petitions and one expression of praise to God and all three of those things are rooted in the reality of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. So let's begin with the expression of praise. If you look at your Bible in verse 20, 
and 21, it gives what we would call a doxology, an expression, a spontaneous expression of worship to God for who he is and for what he does. And we might summarize this doxology by saying that God will receive glory through his work in people throughout all generations. And he receives this glory because he's able to do things that are far beyond our expectations. He's able to do things that are far more than we can think or even ask for according to a power that he has at work in us. Verse 20. And when you hear that expression, God has a power at work in us, it's certainly natural to ask the question, well, what kind of power is this? And how do I have access to it? There's probably a lot of different ways we could attempt to describe God's power. But in this book of Ephesians, it actually describes it for us. Very early in the book, in chapter 1, we see a very similar prayer in Ephesians 1, 19 to 20. And it describes this type of power. This is what it says. Paul is praying and he wants the Christians to know. He wants you to know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. So God has immeasurable power to accomplish far more than we ask, and he chooses to direct that power toward us. And when you consider these two passages together, these two prayers together, it becomes clear that the power that God has at work in us is power that is in accordance with the power of the resurrection of Jesus. Resurrection power applied to you. And that leads us to the two petitions of how we access this power of God. The first petition or the first request you see near the beginning and that's a request for inner strength. When you look at verse 16, it says he's praying that they would be strengthened in their inner being. Now there's a difference, of course, between external strength and inner strength. You can often tell the difference. There's some people that can appear strong on the outside. But when enough pressure is applied, their strength breaks down. But there's something different about those who have a deep inner strength, isn't there? They don't have to look gruff or tough on the outside. They don't need to appear a certain type of way on their exterior. Someone who has inner strength has such a strong constitution that it allows them seemingly to navigate the good times and the bad times, the uncertainty and the certainty. It helps them to navigate all of the different aspects of life in such a way that they're not shaken. There's two different ways of handling pressure in this life. One of those ways is illustrated by what we call a bathysphere. A bathysphere is a small submarine that's used to explore some of the deepest places in the ocean. 
places that are so deep that the pressure of the water, the external pressure, would crush a normal submarine like you would crush an aluminum can. And to compensate for this, a bathysphere is made of very thick plate steel and is very small on the inside, but this keeps the water out, but it also makes them heavy to maneuver and rather cumbersome. But when the watercraft descends to the ocean floor and the lights are turned on and the person inside looks through that very thick plate glass, remarkably, they still see fish. Even at that great type of pressure. Because the fish cope with the extreme pressure in a different way. They don't build thick skins on the outside. Instead, they're still incredibly supple and free. They compensate for the outside pressure through an equal and opposite pressure that comes from their inside. And Christians, likewise, you don't need to have a hard and thick plate of steel to navigate the pressure of life. So long as you appropriate God's power within in a manner that's equal to the pressure that comes from without. I think that everybody wants to be the type of person who has a deep inner strength. Strength that lasts. Strength that doesn't crumble under external pressure. Abiding strength that sees you through the good and the bad. That sees you through difficulties in relationship. That even sees you through a once-in-a-generation or a once-in-a-lifetime pandemic. And Ephesians chapter 3 tells us that God is the one who gives this type of strength. And he does so according to resurrection power. It's interesting as you look at the passage that this strength comes from a particular source. It says in verse 6, 16, that this strength is according to the riches of God's glory. And when you take a step back and you consider that for a moment, you consider the riches of God's glory, it's almost mind-blowing to comprehend. Glory. Glory is something that we experience in the human realm in one way. Glory is just very simply success that leads to great praise or adoration or honor. You might think of glorious achievements of humankind, maybe some of the most glorious. You might think of a championship in a sporting event where a particular athlete receives glory for his or her performance. You might think of the end of a concert when a musician receives praise and honor because that musician moved everyone in the room all the way to their soul with the beauty of that music. You might think of the glory that comes from a scientist who makes an incredible discovery or even the glory that might come to a medical doctor as they discover a new vaccine that could drastically impact humanity. Glory is the recognition or praise that comes from success. But our glory, in this human experience, 
is finite glory. But what kind of glory does a God who is infinite get? What kind of glory does a God who can do anything, who knows everything, who needs nothing or no one, what kind of a God, what kind of glory does a God get who creates merely by speaking, who sees the potential and the actual in a thing at the very same time. We're talking about a God who has known, who has known trillions of people across every nation for generation after generation. And a God who has an unspeakable number of heavenly hosts at his beck and call. A God that comprehensively knows every single situation, every moment, every care and concern and succeeds in absolutely everything that he does. For those who see him clearly, his glory is unimaginable to us. There is no possible way to measure it or to put a value on it. And it is this glory which is the source of the power that he directs toward his children. God's glory is often associated with power in the Bible. And power is something that is given to you. You want to experience that power. I want to experience that power. We want to experience that strength. We want to have access to the riches of God's eternal glory as the source of that strength. But the question then becomes is how? If God is doing this thing in power, if he's drawing from the vast resources of his glory, then how is it that we can attain it? Look at verses 16 and 17 with me. It says that he may grant you to be strengthened with his power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So the idea of being strengthened in your inner being and Christ dwelling in your heart, these things are stated in parallel to each other. Our, our English translation does it just a little disservice here. The two realities, your inner strength that comes from God and Christ dwelling in your heart, they're stated in parallel together, which means essentially that they're describing each other. As Christ dwells in your heart, you are strengthened all the more. Or you are strengthened because Christ dwells in your heart. And now you begin to see the implications. How can I have inner strength? Well, Jesus must dwell in my heart. And we get to the core of the gospel message and the celebration of Easter Sunday. Because how does Jesus come to dwell in your heart? Well, chapter 2 of Ephesians tells us. Ephesians 2.5 says that even though we are spiritually dead because of our sin... Through faith, God makes us alive in Christ. Chapter 2, verse 13 says that even though we were far away from God, 
We've been brought near because of the blood of Christ. Chapter 2, verse 16 says that God makes us into a new person who has peace with himself. Peace with God because of the blood of the cross of Jesus. And so when you put your faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins in a very real and spiritual way, he comes to dwell in you, and his dwelling in you is the way that God applies his power and he becomes the source of your daily strength. This only comes from God. Because Jesus rose, he lives. Because he lives, he can live in you. And the prayer for Christians, some of you might not feel like that. Some of you say, well, I've, I've put my trust in Jesus a long time ago. Why don't I feel like I have this deep inner strength? And this is why Paul prays. He prays that we would come to fully realize the fact and trust the fact that Jesus is not looking at you as a temporary dwelling place that he has rented with a short-term lease. He's purchased this dwelling place on the cross. And he takes up residence there. And he lives there. And as a result, you can have resurrection strength in your inner being. The result, Paul says at the end of verse 17, is that you become rooted and grounded in love. I love those images. You're familiar with them, I'm sure. Especially this time of year. You know what it means to be rooted. Many of you are starting to plant things in your gardens right now. To be rooted or to be deeply rooted means that something is not easily unearthed. And when Jesus dwells in your heart through faith, when you have inner strength from God, resurrection power, you become rooted. Which means when times are difficult, you do not easily become unearthed. To be grounded, similarly, is the image of a foundation of a building. If your foundation, your internal constitution is strong, it's cemented in love, it's due to the residency of Christ through faith and the power of the Holy Spirit, it's drawing upon the eternal riches of God's glory, then, when the, then your building will stand even when the heavy winds of the storm are battering up against it. This is a depth of strength for life that only comes from God and is only made possible through the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. You might think about it this way. Strength and security for life come from the resurrected Savior. If you take away anything this morning, remember that. That true strength, inner strength, and lasting security for life, strength and security for life, come from the resurrected Savior. The first petition is for inner strength. The second petition, the second request, is for us to comprehend something. Look at it with me. Verse 18. He says, that you may have strength to comprehend with all of the saints 
What is the breadth and length and height and depth? And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all of the fullness of God. Paul is praying that we would know something. And not just know something, as in acknowledge something is real, but he is praying that we would comprehend something. That we would understand it. That we would feel it. That we would grasp it. That we would internalize it. He is praying that we would comprehend the love that Jesus has for us. Now let's be clear. He's not praying that we would love Jesus more, at least not here. (laughs) He's praying very simply that we would understand how incredible it is the way that Jesus loves us. And he uses four spheres to try to help us see how incredible it is. The height and the depth and the length and the breadth of this love. Breadth and depth and length and height. These things are often used in the Bible to describe things that are immeasurable in their nature. They're incomprehensible for us to understand. This is often used to describe the wisdom of God. We see that in many different places. That God is so much wiser than we are that we cannot possibly comprehend it. Job chapter 11 says that God's wisdom is higher than the heavens. What can you do? It's deeper than Sheol. What can you know? Its measure is longer than the earth and it's broader than the sea. Meaning God knows infinitely more than you or I ever will. We can't even comprehend it. Romans chapter 11, likewise. Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable are his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord and who has been his counselor? And so the sheer magnitude of this love of Jesus is beyond measure. So great is it that we cannot fully comprehend and yet so real is it is that it surrounds you, engulfs you every single day. Deep in the mountains of northern Japan, there's a tiny town called Takamachi. This is in one of the snowiest parts of the country. And during the worst blizzard to hit that area in 13 years, work crews were attempting to clear the roads around Takamachi because the towns had become isolated. And on a Thursday, since the snow had begun to let up, Mrs. Tamiko Takano, age 37, decided that she was going to venture out on an errand with her young daughter, who was seven years old. Her husband had left earlier that day to work with the road crews on clearing the road. And while Tamiko and her seven-year-old were outside clearing the path on a way to the road, suddenly an abnormally large pile of snow broke loose from the roof next to the house and buried them completely. 
mother and daughter, Kamiko and Izumi, were buried beneath nearly 10 feet of snow. Mr. Takano came home that day to see that his wife and his daughter were missing, and he immediately called for a search, and they searched, but they were not found. The next day, a work crew was working to clear snow from around the house when they heard a soft whimpering coming from a huge pile of snow. Frantically, they began to dig in the snow toward the sound of the whimpering to uncover what was there. And as they did, the sight that they found was unbelievable to them. They found the frozen body of Mrs. Takano curled around completely engulfing their seven-year-old daughter, Izumi, who was still alive. Because of her love, Tamiko Takano gave her own life to save Izumi's by wrapping herself in love around her daughter. Friends, this is just a picture of Christ's love for you so immense is it that it's incomprehensible. It becomes known to us, however, through self-sacrifice. Jesus died that you might live. And because Jesus rose again, his love carries on in providing you an ongoing security. And so if you're found in Jesus through faith, you are surrounded by, you are engulfed with this love of Christ. And so when you feel alone, know that Jesus is there with you. And when you feel like no one can relate to your struggles, you need but reach out to the Lord who loves you no matter what and is able to sympathize with your every weakness. And when you feel ashamed because you've sinned again, you humbly approach this risen Savior because he will grant you forgiveness yet again. And when you feel unlovable to the world, you can know, you can begin to comprehend the incomprehensible love that Jesus has for those who are his. His love is so expansive. It is incomprehensible to us. And yet the very prayer is asking that God would help us to comprehend the incomprehensible. If you don't have a relationship with Christ, if you haven't put your faith in him, then you'll never be able to comprehend it. If you're waiting to feel something or to grasp a level of God's love you've not yet grasped, then all the evidence you need is found at the cross of Jesus. And only after you meet Jesus there and seek forgiveness for your sins, only then will you begin to experience, be able to grasp, be able to comprehend the love that he has for you. Request number one is for inner strength. Request number two is to comprehend the love of Christ for us. 
And so how do these two requests come together? Well, they come together, I think, in two ways. The first is that both of these things, inner strength and having the ability to comprehend Jesus' love, both of them are essential for navigating this life well. Through the ups and downs, the calm times and the difficulties. And secondly, both this strength and this love are expressed and made possible through the resurrection. Strength and security for life. Strength and security for life are found with the risen Savior. That is a reality that we need to know right now more than ever. That reality will see you through a once-in-a-lifetime pandemic. It's the reality that empowers your marriage when times are good or times are bad. It's the reality that gives you strength and makes you incredibly nimble through all of the different seasons of your growth and development, of your career, of your retirement, of your relationships, of your children. It's a reality that means the love that you experience, no matter what you've done in this life, makes you secure through this risen Savior. Strength and security are found in the resurrected Lord. And it means, quite frankly, that you can persevere. <laughs> you can do it. You can have joy in the midst of difficulty. You can succeed when others are shrinking. You can have inner strength that far supersedes the external shell that so many of us are good at putting on. And it's because of Jesus. I want to close this morning with the words of Phillips Brooks, who gives us some advice about prayer, some thoughts about grace, and navigating the difficult situation that we're in. This is what he said. He said, do not pray for easy lives. Pray to be stronger people. Do not pray for tasks equal to your powers, but rather pray for power that is equal to your tasks. Then the doing of your work shall be no miracle, but you shall be a miracle. Every day you shall wonder at the richness of life which has come to you by the grace of God. Friends, God bless you. May Christ dwell richly in your heart. May the resurrected king who's taking up residence there continue to give you strength and security for this life. Because strength and security is only found in the resurrected Savior. Amen.